what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am the a director, a co-director, co-founder of the Foot Candle Film Society and the annual Foot Candle Film Festival located here in beautiful Western North Carolina. With me, my co-host and my co-director and my co-founder, just co is what I'm going to call you from here on out. <laughs> That'll be my my uh, business title on my business card, co. just co. Co. And it's Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing? I am doing well. I'm glad that I actually managed to fit in two movies for us to discuss today. They're just so, there's so much going on. We got the holidays coming up and then, you know, just general work stuff. And then so many movies are coming out. It's just... It's crazy. And it's kind of like, which ones do we pick to discuss? And it's crazy. So I'm glad that we actually settled on two that we can actually talk about. Yeah. (laughs) Two that we have both seen in the past a little bit here that we're going to be talking about. This is our movie review discussion show. We also cover some movie news later in the episode and give a recommendation at the end of the episode of a film or Maybe we're both going to cheat a little bit. It might be a long film in terms of like more of a mini series that each yeah. of us will, will recommend, but have to stay tuned for that later in the show. But first up, we will be reviewing a couple of new films that are still out either in theaters or just uh, debuting online for streaming. First up, we'll be discussing the latest uh, Ridley Scott film, House of Gucci, starring Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. After that, we'll be discussing the film that uh, premiered on Netflix. Is it available there for streaming? It is Power of the Dog by director-writer Jane Campion, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. So we'll be discussing those two films. Again, we'll have some movie news later on in the episode, including some discussion about Steven Spielberg's new West Side Story, some thoughts and a little bit of a mini-review from me, but also some uh, discussion about Uh, how it's doing box office wise and maybe what that's telling us about where the theater going public is these days. And then again, ending up the show with our recommendations for the episode. So Chris, we got a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and jump right into our first review. If you're ready, let's do it. All right. Going into house of Gucci. I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I'm fair. Gucci. It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Come meet the family. Hey everybody, this is Patrizia, and this is my family. Kick this out! They had it all. Wealth, style, power. Who wouldn't care for that? Chris, you and I, uh, we, we're fans of Ridley Scott in general, mainly because Ridley Scott brought us Alien, which we both really, really like. We think it's classic. There's a lot of other Ridley Scott films uh, that I'm a big fan of, Blade Runner as well, too. Um, many others that he's brought to brought to our, our, our uh, recognition here over the years. And we're big fans. But he's also put out a lot of films. Yes. And I, I think you look at his filmography – 
seems like every couple years there's another film coming out by this guy, which is great. And I, this year we had two. Last we had duel. two this year with the last duel mm-hmm. coming out earlier in the year, and then just a few months later we have now House of Gucci. Now, the last duel um, didn't do so hot box office wise, although it got a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, nobody saw it. So, and, and, I, and I saw it and recommended it on the show. Yes, you but did. I'm one of the few that did see it. I think. Um, and Ridley Scott's gone on record saying that he felt that the reason Last Duel tanked is because uh, the the younger generations just don't have the the eye for film anymore and just aren't coming out to see it. Not to completely derail our show because yeah. we don't want to do that, but his press tour for mm-hmm. uh, this movie for House yeah. of Gucci is kind of like I think he saw Martin Scorsese in the whole like him trashing Marvel movies, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, hold my beer, Martin." Yeah, <laughs> he's like, because apparently some of the comments and oh, stuff he said are just—it's hilarious, crazy. Anytime yeah. he gets a criticism about something he said, <laughs> he's just he's just shot the guys down. It's pretty right. pretty hilarious. Well, so now we have the second Ridley Scott film of 2021 that you mentioned, House of Gucci. Now, I will say, box office-wise, this movie is doing better than Last Duel did. It's still in theaters as mm-hmm. of the time of this writing. Sure. Um, my question to you, Chris, is why is House of Gucci performing better box office-wise? And should it be than The Last Duel? Is it because of Lady Gaga? Is it because of Adam Driver? Is it because of the whole storyline, which, for those not familiar with it, is it's inspired by the family empire behind the Italian fashion house of Gucci? So when we have Patrizia Reggiani, played by Lady Gaga, who's an outsider from very humble beginnings, she marries into the Gucci family, marrying the Adam Driver character. Uh, Her unbridled ambition begins to unravel the family legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. So Chris, again, my question to you is, should this movie be doing better than The Last Duel? And if so, why do you think it's doing better? What is it that's making audiences kind of connect with this a little bit better than the other Ridley Scott film? Well, so, you know, often on our show, obviously, we're doing movie criticism. But we also try at least to talk about the whole populism idea, like the popular entertainment side, not necessarily how good we think a movie is, but how well we think it's going to perform, Mm -hmm. how audiences will react to it. So I think this is kind of a perfect example. Last Duel is more of a cinematic vegetables movie. Mm -hmm. It is good. There's good acting in it. There's an interesting story that is based on a true event, just Mm -hmm. like House of Gucci is based on things that happen in real life. Um, but it is presented more as a cinematic vegetables like this, you know, whereas House of Gucci is cinematic fast food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that to me would explain why uh, it is possibly performing better. Um, and the, you know, just the trailers, you know, Last Duel is set up as this, you know, period piece. And uh, whereas this is. I mean, granted, it's, I guess, set a little bit back in time. It's not, you know, present day, comes up to present day, but it's, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, shows you like three decades of this family and all their (laughs) craziness that goes on. Um, But I think that, you know, the movie going public is more interested in that type of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and it has more broader appeal because it's like, oh, here's a really crazy story. Here are some actors that are going to be just swinging for the fences with (laughs) Mm -hmm. crazy performances as opposed to Last Duel. So, no, I guess it, it doesn't surprise me. I think both films have their merits. Okay. Um, and I benefited from seeing this movie after you did. Often yes. you and I, we see the movies at the same time and then wait till the show to discuss them. Or sometimes we see them out of phase with one another, but we'll still kind of hold off our opinions. But because of, as I mentioned in the intro, 
so many films coming out. It's kind of hard to know what we're going to get to see. I thought I wouldn't get to see House of Gucci. So you went ahead and kind of gave me a little bit of how you felt about it. And I couldn't have appreciated that more because it lowered my expectations (laughs) for the film. And I went in and my overall thought is, man, this is a really odd film. Mm -hmm. It is really odd. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's from what I can look back and think about Ridley Scott's career. It's his first, I think what I would consider to be a satire and attempt at humor. At least I think that's what's going on because the performances in this film all by people I consider to be really good actors. I mean, you have Al Pacino, Jeremy Irons, Jared Leto, Adam Driver, and of course, Lady Gaga, who's already been in a star is born. You know, these are people who know how to act and they act, but it's just like, it is, it's so crazy what's going on. Adam Driver, who I usually consider to be, you know, a very charismatic actor and everything. If I didn't know better, I would think he was a bad actor seeing Mm -hmm. him in this film, but I don't, I think he's playing or he's trying to, he is trying not to be charismatic. (laughs) He is trying as hard as he can not to be handsome. He's trying like, and so in so doing, he's kind of like playing a bad actor because if you look at the character of Mauricio Gucci, who he's playing, you would think like, Oh yes, this guy probably comes off as being really stiff Mm -hmm. and not really know how to handle social interactions with people. But it, it's just, weird like it's the weirdest performance i think i've ever seen by him but Mm -hmm. i think it was probably on purpose lady gaga i mean her performance is so huge like so huge that i mean it's like daniel or daniel day lewis doing daniel plainview and Mm -hmm. there will be blood like it is so outsized and regardless of whether any movie critic thinks it was a good performance or a bad performance I just can't imagine this not being nominated for best actress, regardless of whether you think it's good or not. It's just so like in your face. <laughs> like oh, wow. you have to acknowledge it. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. It does. I, I, uh, yes, you came away from this film with a more positive opinion than I did, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I, I see the merits and right. actually I, in general, I'm going to give this film a pass. Okay. I, I will say I had a relatively good time with it. I have a lot of issues with it, but I think it, it does work for the most part. You came away. I I, I set your expectations you pretty low. Thank you. I think this needs to be our new thing we <laughs> right. do. One of we alternate going to see films and then we come back and try to bring it down for the other person. So when the other person goes to see it, we're like, like, Oh yeah. wow, we really love that film. <laughs> um I agree about Gaga. I think okay. Lady Gaga as uh, Patricia Reggiani, she she is playing the part in the film. I want to see the whole film match. And unfortunately I just don't feel like the whole film does. I see her role. I think she's playing at this level. Like I'm putting my hand up right. high where we, there are other characters with a couple of exceptions oh. <laughs> are playing down here. Sure. The problem I have with this film is, is I think it's a fascinating story. Oh, absolutely. Very interesting to follow. But I think the tone of the film has a hard time deciding what type of film it wants to be. I think it goes between the satire, satire mm-hmm. over the top performance side, which I do enjoy. And then at moments, it'll just switch into a, a very straightforward family drama and business drama. I see. And it's just the tones never quite reconciled for me throughout the whole film. I, I never knew what version of the film we were going to be watching from scene to scene. Well, and I think, and I would agree that, you know, tone was, but I, I think I 
it was so refreshing for me to see Ridley Scott doing something so bizarre. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so true. I feel yeah. like, and it was, yeah, tone can, I think even the stuff you say, it's switching to family drama for me, it was okay just because it was so odd to see, you know, going in, like you gave the description, there's, you know, all this betrayal and decadence and revenge and murder stuff going on, but it's done with this like crazy tone and kind of satire that you're just like, what? it's just so hard to figure out what's going on. And I will say this is an odd case where despite the two hour and 38 minute mm-hmm. runtime, it kept me entertained just because wow. it was so weird. Okay. It was it was just so not true. Because yeah, a typical, I could see, like when you go into this, House of Gucci, Ridley Scott, you're like, okay, this is going to be a very, you know, like harsh kind of, you know, dark mm-hmm. document, not documentary, but narrative film about this family that just imploded. But instead, no, it's not that. I mean, it, mm. it tells all the beats and yet ends on this really like, you know, this is a note of what happened to this family. But I don't know, it just was so entertaining. I have to, the other person whose performance I'm still... I'm waiting for this. No, I, yep. Okay, so Jared Leto, I mentioned his mm-hmm. name. He plays a cousin to um, Mauricio Gucci. He plays Paolo Gucci. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I've seen people on the internet, you know, Twitter and everything, say that his portrayal was like an audition for the new Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> um, and that's accurate. I would mm-hmm. say that is entirely accurate. But it was so fun for me to watch because you're like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, it just is so over, like his Italian accent is so crazy, like you would see in a children's animated show. Yes. And he doesn't, it's like he knows this and yes. he's just leaning into oh, it I and totally going, think he knows it. going he, for the crazy. I mean, he's won an Oscar for mm-hmm. Dallas Buyers Club. Like, you know, this this guy knows what he's doing. He's been in tons of films. Well, but it's just so, it, it's, it is so see, crazy. But here's and my it thing. made it entertaining to me. I almost feel like Ridley Scott met with, two different groups of actors to prep for this film. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's like, all right, Lady Gaga, Jared Leto and Al Pacino, just because I oh, think you're going, I mean, that's what he's going to do anyway. Like, you guys, let's go. I'm going to talk to you over here. Okay. This is the type of film I want to make. I want it to be over the top. I want it to be kind of crazy. I want it to be satire. I want it to be just go nuts with it. Then he went over the other side and said, all right, let's, uh, Adam driver and everybody else in the film. Jeremy Irons. Yeah. Jeremy yeah. Irons. Um, yeah, we're going kind of real serious. It's going to be a straightforward family crime drama. Just play it that way. And I think it's just, maybe that was intentional. Maybe he wanted just this kind of blending of these two different uh, types of films. I don't know. But, uh, and if you consider, they're two different families, if you consider how two different sides ultimate comes in, you know, there's some tension, obviously a lot between Lady Gaga who comes, you know, Patrizia Rigani and she marries in with Adam drivers, Maurizio Gucci if you consider how their relationship ends up becoming a very tense one, maybe that could have been intentional. Uh, like you say, like, okay, I want you to do the method act. You're very mm. serious. And then I want you to do the crazy over the top and like the clash of, who oh. knows? <laughs> I mean, it was entertaining to watch. Man, was I it? I mean, it was. I, I do have some issues with the length. I do think it was a bit too long. Okay. Uh, I do think there are some parts that, that really just dragged. And I will say the, the biggest frustration for me from a story perspective on the film, the thing that kind of just lost me towards the end is uh, uh, Adam driver's character has a turn uh, late in the film. Yeah. I just never bought. I just nothing, nothing led me to believe that that 
Now, granted, I know it's based on a true story, so obviously there's some reason that they include it in the story, but I, I just never, I he, never bought it. Adam Driver's performance as Mauricio just is very kind of meek, yeah. and you know, he's kind of a geek and doesn't really say much, and then all of a sudden he becomes this like full of rage, Power kind hungry, of wrathful. Yeah, and, and I like, just Whoa. never I, that, when that I flipped, I, I just, I, it kind of lost me towards the end. I just didn't buy that, so I didn't enjoy the end, the last quarter of the film as much because of that. I and, think that's uh, valid. All of a sudden he starts standing up for himself and you're like, yeah. Whoa, where'd this, I don't understand where'd this where guy come from? from? Yeah, yeah I, I really can see don't. that. Um, but, um, I, I don't know if I agree with you on Adam driver's performance as much, whether it was intentional or just, he just, he seemed like he, I don't know how much of it was intentionally. I'm going to, totally low key this performance mm-hmm. to the point where I look like I'm sleepwalking through it. <laughs> right. I kind of felt like he was, it's probably my least satisfying Adam driver performance I've ever seen him do. Huh. But again, I don't know if that was intentional or, or if it's just truly a driver just didn't put his whole energy into this thing. I don't know. Um, well, he had been in the last duel. Maybe he was already tired from that Ridley Scott production. He's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just going to sleepwalk yeah. through this. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I do think I agree with you as an interesting watch. Yes, you did walk away with a more positive view than I did. Um, and I, but I think we both agree Lady Gaga is really good. Um, I think she she nails it. She's she's she knows what she's doing. She knows the kind of performance she wants to give, and she's very very consistent all the way through with that. Um, I'm with you on Jared Leto. I think he's entertaining. And um, see, in a way. <laughs> You know, I talked about, I don't see how you could not nominate Lady Gaga. Yeah. I'm not saying I would not nominate Jared Leto for Best Supporting Actor for this performance. But if he got a nomination, I'd be like, you know, I mean, he gave a crazy, it's almost like I want to reward him for just going out there and giving a crazy, like, Joker type performance, but he's not in Suicide yeah. Squad. He's in House of Gucci. Well, and it's like, almost like too, like I think him being paired with Al Pacino because they have a lot of scenes together. Yes, I just get the sense that both of them are like, "Oh, you think you're going to play this part this way? Well, let me see well, what I can do here." <laughs> yeah, I wonder how they worked together. Because Al Pacino was basically playing coked up Al Pacino. Absolutely. I mean, in most cases or just over the top Pacino. Right. He didn't have to stretch very far from where no. we normally see him. No. Jared Leto, I do feel like was just trying to match that same level of, of manic uh, energy in the film. So, well, and they, know. they do, they do kind of mention how, you know, this family is this full of egos and, you know, all this kind of, so they do kind of reference that you're going to have outsized personalities, which I guess is why, Adam Driver was so surprising because you're like, oh, he's not like this. Yeah. And then suddenly he becomes he's like that. kind of the black so. sheep of the family in a way. And then all of a sudden he becomes just like the family. And again, I can understand that as a development. If I right. saw that over the course of the film that he was slowly becoming more like the rest of the family, but I didn't until like really flip of a switch. Okay. Now he's bad. Right. And at that didn't work for me. So that was, that was tough to kind of overcome there. I'll say with any film that we watch that is based on, true events, you know, um, I, I did learn stuff mm-hmm. so that yeah. I, I appreciated. Um, I mean, I Grant from the trailer and from our little introduction, you know, there's going to be a murder involved, but how all that comes about is kind of, to me, it was surprising. Yeah. Selma Hayek. Oh yeah. We is in this film. Her. We didn't even talk about her. Um, her role as a psychic with kind of a <laughs> side gig as an aid to a murder conspiracy. 
that was really just shocking to see her. Do. And, you know, she was good, but it was just like, man, that is a weird role. Well, like, I imagine her role. being approached by Ridley Scott, and she's like, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's just really bizarre. That just kind of sets the tone for a psychic that ends up being, you know, a conspiracy, murder conspiracy, aid to a murder conspiracy. Just weird. Yeah. But it somehow works. Um, learning that no one with the Gucci family name is associated with the company mm-hmm. and has, hasn't been since, like, the 90s, that was interesting. And also learning a member of the family died poor and destitute in London after being, you know, part of this really ridiculously wealthy family and the circumstances that led to that. It's like, wow. Like if you yeah. didn't know it, you would just assume this is just some ridiculous constructed fairy tale type thing of like, you know, dark fairy tale about a family falling down and imploding. But no, this is based on events that happened. So it's just, that alone made it entertaining yeah. for me. Uh, it should be noted. Um, of course, the Gucci family, the official Gucci family has come out and well, disavowed this film. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm sure <laughs> you could understand why after watching yeah, this. Yeah. So. Well, that is House of Gucci. Chris, I'm surprised. I mean, pleasantly surprised. I'm always happy when you like a film. And sure. Even if it's one that I'm a little lukewarm on. But uh, this, is, uh, this was a surprise. I did not expect this. You're going in to see House of Gucci. But sounds like you had a good time with it. Um, it is an interesting film. Yes, yeah, so I think we'll leave it at that. I will recommend it. Just I do think it has some some problems and some tone issues. It has a really difficult time navigating and, and managing. But I think the performances are fun to watch and worth the watch of the film. So agree with you on that. Okay. That is House of Gucci. It is playing in theaters as we're still recording this. So the time of recording, still in theaters only. Uh, Ridley Scott, Lady Gaga, Adam Driver, uh, worth checking out. All right, let's move on to our second review, which is the Netflix exclusive film uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, It is Power of the Dog. Twenty-five years since our first run together. Nineteen hundred and nothing. It's a long time. What you doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married Sunday. Power of the Dog marks Jane Campion's first film since 2009's Bright Star. So she's done some TV work with uh, Top of the Lake, which I have not watched. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, she hasn't done a film in quite some time. Mm-hmm. This from the director who gave us the piano back in 1993, which she you know received awards. It was it was a well, very well received film, mm-hmm. and she's done some films since then. She did Holy Smoke in the Cut, um, and Bright Star, which is the one she did in 2009. But for the most part, she's kind of flown back below the radar. With this picture, she's kind of come back into discussions of people talking about you know, her skills as a filmmaker and also Oscar buzz for the lead performance in the film, which would be Benedict Cumberbatch, who you mentioned. He plays a charismatic rancher, Phil Burbank, who inspires fear in the minds of his new uh, sister-in-law and her son. So Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Phil Burbank. The wife is played by Kirsten Dunst, and it mar- she marries the brother, 
who is um, Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons as George Burbank. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have these brothers that are ranchers, and then one of the brothers goes off and marries somebody. Phil's not really happy about that. And then the lady has already had a son from a previous marriage, and uh, that's Peter Gordon, and he's played by Cody Smith-McPhee. So we have a Western here. Mm -hmm. Um, This is Jane Campion's return after not having a film for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. Alan, what was your experience with Power of the Dog? And this has gotten a lot of critical buzz and a lot of people saying Mm -hmm. they see this as a Best Picture nominee, you know, a multiple Oscar nominee. What was your take on it? And do you feel like it was, do you feel like it was worthy of a lot of that praise? Um, So Chris, if I, if I, reviewing the power of the dog. If there was a review checklist that we're supposed to fill out every time we watch a film and we if, have to if check there the was, box. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to check the boxes. Uh, did the film do this, 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 like everything on there. So you've got cinematography mm. check. Yes. Beautiful. Love the, love the look of this film. Okay. Uh, let's look, talk about performances. Ben Cumberbatch. Yep. Great performance. Christian Dunst. Perfect. Uh, Cody Smith McGee. Yes, absolutely. Jesse Plemons. Everybody. Okay. Performance wise. Great. Check, check, check. Um, uh, tone of the film, look of the film, production design. Uh, How about the score? Score, score, great. Everything's checking. Everything's okay. on the checkbox. Got you. But <laughs> the film, I hate saying this because, you know, I think everything about this film works the right way it should. For me personally, I, I never felt connected to this film. I, I never, I never felt a real connection to any of the characters. I always felt like I was at a distance. I felt like I was kind of held apart from them. So by the end of the film, I don't feel like I I got the, the overall uh, emotions that I'm supposed to have as a viewer. Interesting. But again, I can't really specifically fault any aspect of the film other than it's just, everything just seemed to be very distanced for me. That's the best way I could describe it. It's just, I didn't have any real, emotional connection to anything going on in the film, even though I think the performances are great. I think the film looks beautiful. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, relatively slight story, although there's more going on under the surface that I think is, does make it kind of interesting. Okay. I think Benedict Cumberbatch's performance, especially, um, not working for me in the first 30 minutes, but then I understood why it didn't work for me as the film went on. Um, and that okay. made his first 30 minutes even more impressive for me. Anyway, doing that without spoiling anything sure. from the film. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's an, it's a amazing film that just didn't quite resonate for me the way I was hoping it would. And that's about as vague a review as I can give on it. So <laughs> Chris, what, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So though. here's the thing. Um, I, I agree with all the checklist items that you mm-hmm. said. Um, The difference for me, and there again, we'll try to not give away spoilers or anything. Um, The difference for me was this whole film, I felt like I knew what was going on Hmm. and I didn't. Right. And then there is a twist, which we will not discuss, so we don't want to ruin it for people. But there is a thing that happens literally in the final moments of the film. And I was like, "Uh oh, oh, Mm -hmm. I did not get that. And it, it centers around kind of the Benedict Cumberbatch character. And I thought the whole film, they were trying to tell you something. And I thought it was being telegraphed and it was pretty obvious. And I was like, okay, yes, I get it. This is how this character is. This is who he really is. And that wasn't what they were setting the stage for. 
Um, and that just so surprised me that at the end, when something, this thing happened, I was like, oh, wow. I, I guess I, I, I couldn't wait to watch this film. I haven't been able to. We've got so many movies. I didn't have time to watch it again. Mm. But I feel like there were hints of what was truly going on that I didn't pick up on. And I, you know, I, I can't wait to watch it again because I want to see if this time I pick up on it more. So just the, the journey of the film ultimately because of how it tied up was a lot more satisfying. Sounds like for me than it was for you. Um, so I've, I just, I, I, I really appreciate it and it just really worked. And it, the fact that it wasn't some of the things that were going on weren't hidden, but I was so distracted by what I thought mm-hmm. was supposed to be the main thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it wasn't. So yeah. that, I mean, it's very vague there. Well, let's, let's talk about Cumberbatch's performance a little bit. Cause okay. I do think that's, I mean, yes, it is a trilogy of actors here. You have Jesse Plemons, you have Kirsten Dunst, and they all play this triangle of characters throughout mm-hmm. the film. Sure. But I think the Cumberbatch performance in character is the one that, obviously has the most intrigue behind it. Sure. Now I think Kirsten Dunst is really good in this. Uh, I think she is. As I well. think it's probably the best thing I've seen her do. Uh, Jesse Plemons is, is good. I mean, he, he doesn't have the most standout role in the film, but he's very serviceable in what he does. And they're real life husband and wife. They are. Which correct, is kind of yes. cool. Um, but Benedict Cumberbatch, um, has a lot to work with here in the film. And, you know, and again, like I mentioned, watching him in the first 20 minutes, I was having a hard time buying him, as the character he was being made out to be. But then I also, you come to understand why that is. And right. it makes me greatly appreciate the other, the rest of the performance he was given uh, because of that. So, well, and the thing that I going into, and this doesn't spoil, you know, I mentioned kind of how he has a very antagonistic relationship mm-hmm. with um, the new wife and the, her son. And, antagonistic doesn't even begin to (laughs) doesn't even begin to explain kind of what he does psychologically. And that's what I wasn't expecting. It was kind of like a Western version of Hannibal Lecter in a way, because he is so in their heads and trying to mess with them. And it's just like, Whoa, you don't expect that in the context of a, of a Western, a Western. Exactly. I think that's what made this film really interesting is the, the taking the Western genre but then putting in a very psychological kind of uh, family drama in the middle mm-hmm. of it, which is not what you normally expect to see. Right. And um, yeah. And I thought, I thought Cody Smith McGee or McPhee, McPhee as the, as Peter, the young son, I mean, he had an interesting role to play as well. He did. Um, and and he, he's a very interesting looking actor, very yes. striking, has a very unique yeah. presence on again not a character you expect to see in a western nope which i think was also what made it very interesting to see he he was performing as kind of a young young son of uh, a younger i guess teenage son um very effeminate which mm-hmm. again i think this film has a lot to say about the role of masculinity out, yes. in the, out especially you know just in america in general but especially at this time period sure and uh the fact that he is made to be such a kind of ridiculed character by so many of the characters in the film for being effeminate, but yet he gets bullied and all but sorts then of almost every other shot, it seems like we either, if the Cowboys are shirtless and they're, you know, exhibiting a lot of behaviors that would make you question, okay, what exactly is masculinity that we're trying to go after here? Right. And which I think is great. I, I love the fact that it calls out this kind of, 
personification we have of what a typical rugged male in the cowboy world, you know, is supposed to be. And it's very different, which is great. All that mixed together. And again, I liked what the film was doing. I liked the overall story of the film. It's just there again. I just, it it just had a hard time connecting for me. And um, I, I, I didn't find the ending quite as, unexpected i guess as maybe you did i knew it was going to go one of a couple different ways and it went one of the ways the least one i expected but it was a way i kind of thought i could see happening um but yeah i mean again on the reviewer checklist every single thing checks to mark like it it on paper should be the perfect film (laughs) but for me right it just fell a little short from that connection I felt like I had with the people. I always felt like I was very much outside looking in and never really felt like I got a lot of connectivity to the, to the characters. And I, I guess, you know, it, that didn't hold me back and just the kind of the reveal really helped sell the movie for me. So it sounds like I did, did mm-hmm. like it better for you yeah. than, um, than you did. I'll, I'll call out, you mentioned the cinematography being one of the things you could check off on the checklist and, Totally agree with that. And the way they staged, I can think of um, two different scenes. Well, one one is, it's actually two scenes, but it's the bookends of the film and the way you first see Benedict Cumberbatch and mm-hmm. the way towards the end of the film is one of the last times you see him. And it's through walking outside through some windows. Yeah. And the way they staged that of him, it's almost like film frames where you see him in a frame, the frame of the window and you see him at different stages of walking taking the time to mirror that shot at the beginning. And then again, at the end, cinematography, directing, coming up with that whole idea. That was amazing. So Mm -hmm. that's just like, you are watching a film and that happens. And then just something that was one of my favorite scenes. I could see, you know, we don't, I don't think we usually do scenes of the year at the end of the Mm -hmm. year when we kind of do our, you know, callback and everything. But if we were to do that, um, the banjo versus piano sequence Mm -hmm. in the film where, Phil, who you, we've already seen, he kind of plays banjo every once in a while. And Kirsten Dunst, her husband, buys her a piano because he wants her to like, she has played piano in the past. And he's going to have the governor come over. And it's going to be like, he's hoping to have this kind of party and make, you know, make an impression, wants his wife to play. So she's trying to practice and, you know, she's nervous. And he hears her trying to practice and kind of has a standoff or a mm-hmm. duel with her. And the way that's shot, the way it's acted is just, man, it's a great scene. Yeah, it is. It is. Another scene I'll call out, just a, more of a visual moment, is uh, the the Peter character, uh, one of the things he does is he makes flowers out of paper and yes. uh, to kind of decorate the tables at the the little, I guess you could say, restaurant that yeah. he and his mother put on for a lot of the travelers or ranchers that come through. And uh, the way Phil handled that that flower and uh not only comments about it, but then setting it on fire and extinguishing it's just it was really really good i mean it, it, it kind of tells you a lot about what to expect the rest of the film right there with that one shot so sure no no it's this is a good movie it's just i i i think it's just going to be a little it's going to be a little hit or miss for some people just on how well you get into the film and how well you really feel like you understand these characters and i always i always felt more at a distance but um, but I can understand absolutely the love for the film and, uh, it is quite a feat. I will say that I think production wise and just what they put together and the performances involved are all really, really strong. So now this is also based off of a novel. So we've got a, uh, kind of something based off of something else. Jane Campion wrote the screenplay for it. 
I believe, but it was based off of an original novel by Thomas Savage. Right. Um, so curious how much of the film resembled the novel. And actually I would be curious, you know, I've mentioned, I'd be curious to rewatch the film. I've kind of been curious to read the novel and just mm-hmm. see, you know, how much stuff Campion brought to it that was unique to hers or, you know, how much she was able to adapt the book and put literally what was in the book on screen. So yeah, I guess that speaks to how much I like the film. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, that is Power of the Dog. It is, or The Power of the Dog. It is on Netflix. It is a Netflix exclusive, right? Is it playing movie theaters at all? I think they've done that Maybe thing some where limited. in some big cities they yeah. did a limited, but yeah, most all. You're, if you're going to catch it, you're probably going to catch it at home right. on Netflix. So on Netflix, Power of the Dog by Jane Campion. Uh, it is recommended by both of us. Is highly recommended by Chris, sounds like. Um, I'm recommending as well, but just with some caveats I experienced during the film. So with that, Chris, two positive reviews. For the most to, part. Safe to say we both appreciated both films, and I think I was higher than you on both. You were. Sounds like. Yeah, yeah. which is different. <laughs> so I'm not used to that, Chris, but that's sure. good. Um, all right, well, we're going to take a quick break from our two reviews. When we come back, we've got a couple of movie news items to share, including a little discussion about West Side Story, the new remake by Steven Spielberg. And then we'll be ending the show with our recommendations of the episode. So stay tuned. You're listening to Foot Candle Films here on TheMesh.TV. We'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit TheJacksonCreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Uh, Alan Jackson and Chris Fry back with you again. We had our reviews at the top half of the show, House of Gucci and The Power of the Dog, both positive reviews from both of us, but in a rare Foot Candle Films historical thing, Chris Fry was more positive than me on both films. So we'll take it. Yeah, sure. It's a a Christmas miracle. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Chris, let's move on to some movie news and talking a little bit about either productions that are going to be happening soon or in a little bit, we're talking a little box office and a little, uh, a little on the financial side of movies. We don't typically get too deep into talking about the business of, uh, the box office, but I think it's interesting to talk about this week as we get together. But first up, let's talk about an upcoming project that I think is interesting and kind of timely. We have the new Spider-Man movie coming out this weekend as we record it. I think it's coming out December 17th. And this one is No Way Home? No Way Home. No Way Home. We had Homecoming, Far From Home, and now No Way Home. Uh, Tom Holland, as the titular character in this Spider-Man movie, uh, has been for the last couple films. I think well-regarded in that role. And And side note, you are kind of a connoisseur of Spider-Man. You're a big, big fan. Is he your favorite Peter Parker over oh, Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield? Chris, we're going to have to schedule a whole nother episode <laughs> to get into this discussion. Uh, I'll sum it up for you this way. I think he's the best mixture of the Peter Parker slash Spider-Man character. Okay. Um, I have gone on record many, many times in saying that I think Andrew Garfield was the better Spider-Man. Okay. Even though those films were a little lackluster. Okay. Um, and I think Toby Maguire might have been the best Peter Parker, mm. but okay. Tom Holland is a decent blend of the two. Okay. So anyway, okay. yeah, I, I could probably do a Ted talk on the whole, 
character uh, awesome. playing Spider-Man. Okay. All right. But anyway, uh, yes. Tom Holland, I do like Tom Holland. I think he's good. I think he's fun. Uh, I am not as enamored by these new Spider-Man films as I think a lot of other people are because it's not quite the side of Spider-Man I want to see on film. Got you. But again, that's a whole nother conversation. Tom Holland, though. Yes. Uh, good actor. And he's very good in this role. So uh, have you seen Tom Holland dance? I have. Mm-hmm. I do not know. It's some type of lip syncing show where they yeah. lip sync and then they dance. Yeah. He did a big uh, kind of, it was a all over YouTube, people watching the clip of him uh, performing and dancing both in a more classic Fred Astaire type, type way to like a singing in the rain thing. And then he also went to a Rihanna song. Okay. Uh, I think Umbrella, if I know my Rihanna song's properly i think and so. did a much more uh extravagant yeah, modern dance, dance. Yeah, so yeah. it's like singing the rain. and yeah that that was amazing <laughs> so it has been announced that uh, he actually said this during an interview on the red carpet for his spider-man film uh yes he is playing fred astaire in a new uh biopic hmm. so um it is a, uh, he will be playing the legendary dancer in a forthcoming biopic. It is interesting. You know, we haven't had a biopic about Fred Astaire, which I do think is really interesting because uh, it's been quite a while since Fred Astaire was at the height of his popularity. And of course, with his uh, passing uh, quite a while back, it just seems like that would have been a perfect biopic to pull off at yeah, some it, point. It is kind of surprising that, yeah. We, we haven't even had a Fred Astaire documentary that I'm aware of. So no, it's I, not that it, you know, I can him think of. being such a figure in Hollywood yeah. and then it taking this long. Yeah, I agree. Kind of, kind of surprising. Well, you even look at some of all of the, the characters, the Fred Astaire. I mean, you, you kind of Gene even go Kelly. Gene Kelly, sure. some of these others not really seeing anything about them. Now, part of it could be what I'm going to allude to in the next story okay. is a little bit of some weariness of musicals and maybe musicals not quite hitting with box office audiences as much so anytime you're going to do a fred astaire film or whatever it's obviously going to have music and dancing i mean it has hope so yeah so luckily i think i think tom holland can pull this off um i actually did watch some part of a fred astaire movie swing time over the weekend okay um not because i saw the story just happened to be on my (laughs) wife is a huge uh, turner classic movies fan gotcha it just happened to be on so i ended up watching it i'm like yeah i could totally see tom holland pulling this off i think it could work and uh, so that'd be really interesting to see. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I have to say, you know, just somebody said, oh, a biopic on Fred Astaire. I'd be like, oh, okay. But yeah, the fact that they have the star power of Tom Holland, who, like you referenced, I've seen him dance. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty interested in seeing that. I think it'll probably be pretty good. Well, and I will say this. I don't know much about the production itself. And I don't think they have a, I haven't heard of the director attached yet. Um, they well, may have it. If you um, bear with me just one second, uh, this is, uh, this the is, mighty Google. <laughs> yes. Um, I do know that he is uh, Tom Holland. Next up coming up is the Uncharted movie that he's in. Oh, gosh. That, um, it's a video game adaptation. Yeah. that <laughs> You can yeah. tell my excitement. Well, I'm, I'm with you on that, too. I yeah. even saw the trailer hoping that the trailer was going to be interesting, and the trailer did not look promising either. Video game and adaptations Mark, Wal- Mark Wahlberg yeah. is in that as well. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, the, ta- the uh, Fred Astaire biopic does not have a director attached. So okay. really I think it's just Tom Holland has been attached to play Fred Astaire in an unnamed un, un unlabeled movie so far. So okay. uh something to watch out for. Sure. I think this kid's got a 
kid. I, it's not like such an old young man. man. <laughs> I think this gentleman has sure. a, a fine future ahead. He's a, he's a he's a fun actor to watch, and I think there's a a lot there. So now, Chris, let's move on from one musical related project to another. Okay. Um, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story came out this past weekend. Uh, you and I have kind of talked about this in advance. I mean, I think we talked about the trailer when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were both very curious to see how this was going to come about. Right. It is a true redo of the West Side Story from, I think, 1961, if I remember correctly. Sure. Um, and uh, Steven Spielberg, he's been, I mean, what was the last film he did? Uh, was it Ready Player One? Uh, may have been. Yeah. yeah, I think that was it. And okay. uh, I I love Steven Spielberg. I'm a big fan of his 80s and maybe early 90s, definitely 70s, 80s, early 90s films. Sure. Uh, have not been quite as taken with his work in the last couple decades. Um, for example, Ready Player One it just didn't really work for me. I thought it was just not not a good use of his skills as a director. Um, so, but I was curious about West Side Story. And we now, actually, we teased, or not teased, but we mentioned in our review on the previous show, Tick, Tick, Boom, about, you know, upcoming musicals and said West Side Story's on the horizon. So, yeah. so we, we, if you think about 2021, we had several musicals that came out. We had In the Heights, we had Tick, Tick, Boom, and now we've got West Side Story. Yeah, Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Darren Evan Hansen. I can't believe I forgot that one. Yeah, yeah. So four different films that have all been like big musicals, stage performances turned into musicals. Right. Um, Well, audiences were not that crazy about going out to see this movie this past week. It made $10 million, which for a film like this, I mean, just to put it in perspective, In the Heights made $11 million when it came out. And In the Heights is a film that... I imagine very few people knew the stage performance, the right. stage play it was based on. It also did not have any big stars in it. It was a smaller production. The director was not a draw like Steven right. Spielberg. So to make less than In the Heights did as a little damage. Now, Dear Evan Hansen only made seven and a half million. So it did exceed that. But this was a much bigger budget production than, right. than Dear Evan Hansen. So it is worrisome, I think, for theater operators and studios that – you know, I went to go see it at our local multiplex. It was in the big Dolby cinema, the big one. I was there with one other person. It just, people were not coming out to see it. Hmm. Um, and I think I've got some theories. I think I know a lot of analysts have theories on it as well. Um, you know, the fact that it was a, it is a remake of sure. West Side Story. It's but not. People like remakes now. People like remakes, but uh, think about the audiences that are going to theaters nowadays. Sure. We still have a lot of older audiences not going to theaters. They're just not. True. It's still not the ideal situation. Because of the pandemic. Because and of the everything. pandemic. Sure. The West Side Story, I think, is cater-made to people. For nostalgia. Nostalgia and people that recall the original. Gotcha. I don't think West Side Story resonates with younger audiences. Gotcha. Um, and I did see the film, as I mentioned already, okay. as well. So we'll get to a review, maybe a little bit. Yeah, we could do that. I can, I can give a little review on it. But I, I do think this is a, a, a situation where you've got a, a classic film, classic uh, stage play, um, classic musical that hasn't really been terribly updated. I mean, there are some updates. I'll mention the review. But okay. overall, the overall story and it being set in the same time period and the same location 
there's no change. Okay. And I mean, I also think there's a, a little bit of people uh, that think about musicals. You either like more contemporary musicals, like Ham- Hamilton, or Hamilton, something like that. and Tick Tick Boom, and Jared In the Hansen. Heights, and all that. And West Side Story still got a little bit of stigma of being very old school, mm. very old old Broadway. Um, even just the dancing style, the musical style is very dated. Okay. That's charming for a lot of people. I think a lot of people find it really nice. I think a younger audience that didn't have any exposure to West Side Story before finds it laughable and finds it just not working. Okay. Um, even to the point the one other person, or actually it was two other people, <laughs> okay. or a couple, uh, on the other side of the theater – when West Side Story started and you heard the first breakout of the song, they were laughing. Oh, dear. Because I think that's not what people are expecting when they think about a more modern musical. It is a very old style sing song and dance, just like the 1961 version. I, I Here again, we've, I am excited. I did not get a chance to see West Side Story, so mm-hmm. it will be a one-sided kind of review of it. But you are lowering my expectations so much that I'm I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm okay. really excited to see. That well, I, I will say this. So so I'll contribute to maybe a better second box office weekend. Could <laughs> maybe be, yeah. Well, this film does have a, a an opportunity. This is the kind of film that is getting rave reviews from critics all over the place. Yeah, that's why I was surprised. That, yeah. yeah. And again, I I well get to my review in a minute. Sure. I, I just think it's going to be a tough sell to today's movie going audiences. And I think this weekend showed that. Now, could this be the kind of movie that has some staying power and actually does like run for the next several months? With the holidays. holidays yeah. and people going, possibly. Okay. I think Chicago is one uh, example of a film many years ago that when it came out, it debuted to like $10 million. But it stayed in the theater for several months and made like $170, 180000000 million at, over the course of the time. So that's possible. I, I just, But I also think that was... That was over a decade ago. That was sure. quite a while back. Uh, it's a different. It's a different theater audience these days. A different theater business. Um, I'm. I'm afraid this thing's going to be out of the theaters here in a couple of weeks and or a few weeks and uh, be a real disappointment for the studios on this. Will this hamper a Steven Spielberg? Will this hamper? musicals in general. I do think the musicals might be a little backlash. So, people might be a little so when we had talked about tick, tick, boom, that was one of the things like Alan, you know, how was your enthusiasm for this? Are you kind of burned out? You think after West side story, you think this may be, they may take a pause. On doing well, and again, I don't think it's because the audiences are burned out. I think it's just the studio is going to say, look, we can't roll gonna. the dice on a big budget musical. When West side story, one of the most famous musicals of all time by one of the most famous directors redoing it, only made $10 million. And you would think maybe it would get, you know, critics are fame, but that doesn't always do anything. But there was a lot of buzz around Stephen Sondheim has just recently passed That's away. That's true too, and which is hit, One of his big hits me. was yeah. doing the music and stuff for yeah. West Side Story. So you would think some of that yeah. would actually help. Not to be morbid, but if you're a studio executive and Sondheim just passed away and you're about to have West Side Story come out, you kind of got to think it's going to help a little bit. I would have thought so. Um, but... Huh. Obviously, it did not. Hmm. But I let me tell you about West Side Story. Can so, I yeah, give you a little give me, review on this? Give me some this? feedback on, yeah. Yeah. Um, let me just go ahead and say this first up. I am not a big fan of the original. Okay. Um, not a fan of the story in general. So you weren't clamoring for a remake? No, not at all. I love musicals. I love okay. big, extravagant musicals on film. But West Side Story just never worked for me. I just I never got really... Never really enjoyed the story behind it. 
Um, you just never thought it was a very clever adaptation of Romeo and Juliet or just something about, I mean, I think it was trying to be too obvious uh, adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. And, you know, my, I mean, I could get specifics on what I don't like about West side story. I, I, I think the Tony Maria romances, has always been just so quick and rushed and, uh, and then it always ends in kind of a more soap opera ish <laughs> type ending. So just the mechanics of the just story. The mechanics itself. of the story never worked. Got you. Um, so knowing that just going into that already, not sure. already a fan of the, of the story in general. Got you. Um, I will say this, uh, Steven Spielberg's West side story is a beautiful film. Okay. Beautiful film. Okay. Well shot, well directed, so well edited. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, it's so great to look at. Okay. No doubt about it. And I love the fact that the, uh, the, the actors they have in the roles are for the most part unknown. Hmm. Um, you do have, uh, oh, what's the kid's name? Ansel Egord. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Tony, okay. he's the most recognizable name and face, but even so most of the movie going public is not going to recognize him <laughs> right off the bat. Um, the baby, the baby driver boy. <laughs> that's right. Um, but all the actors were really good. I okay. will call out a couple of really great performances. Um, Mike faced who played riff. Okay. So he is kind of the kind of pseudo leader of the jets. You know, he was Tony's best friend. And, gotcha. Uh, he is so good. Okay. I don't know who this guy is. I've never seen a Mac before, but man, he is good. So Mike face is riff. Very, very good. So be- because we're near Oscar time, I would have to ask you, would you consider him for a best supporting? Actor? I would personally. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then I think Rachel Zegler as Maria also very good. A, a, an actress I'm not at all familiar with. I've never seen before. Okay. All the actors and actresses. Good. A- Ariana DeBose as Anita. Very good. Um, I will say this. If you are a fan of West Side Story, I think you will absolutely love this film. Got you. Because it does update just enough things to make it a little bit more impactful a story, a little bit more resonating with today's audiences. Okay. There's a little more uh, discussion about gentrification in the community. There's a lot more, you know. Let's face it. The Jets in the original West Side Story were kind of treated as heroes. Mm. In this film, they're not. Okay. They're, They're... they're kind of seeing some problematic kids and, and even to the point where there's some discussions with like the police officials about how the kind of damage they're doing to the community by trying to fight against the Puerto Rican community. And it's just, it brought up some interesting themes that I think the original film just really didn't play around with too much. When I think the original film, if I understand correctly, cause I've seen it, it was a long time ago and I haven't seen the new one. Mm-hmm casting was a little bit more true. Like they cast Puerto Rican people oh, yeah. on it. So they did a little bit better job. Whereas in the original West side story, it was, I, can't I mean, remember. you had Natalie Wood yeah. as right. A Puerto Rican, as, which, woman yeah. Is. So that was problematic. So I guess they did do a good job of trying to, Oh yes. Update very, very much sense. so. And okay. again, the whole, the themes that are brought up are a lot more evident in this film. And I think it's a much more serious film than mm. the original. It's a little more, I mean, it's a little more, uh, tougher, rougher film than the original too. Um, when there's guess, a scene late in the film. If you're familiar with the West side story where, um, Anita comes to confront the jets late in the film because her boyfriend had just been killed and she was coming to find Tony. And there's a scene where basically the jets are about to rape her or really, really you know, abuse her pretty bad. And in the original film, it's, I don't want to say it's laughed off, but it's kind of like, you know, the, the old man running the stores was like, oh, you boys, you're going to get yourself into so much trouble. Don't do that. Don't whatever thing. In this movie, it's like, nope, they get called out as 
you guys are rapist. Wow. This is bad. And like Rita Moreno plays the role of the shop owner that a gentleman played in the original film. Okay. And it's very, you come away knowing that no, the jets are bad. They're doing some bad things, but at the same time, the, the, the gang on the Puerto Rican side is also taking the sharks have also taken things to an unhealthy level too. Hmm. So you get some sense of the severity of what's going on and it's not played quite as light as I think the original might've done with it. Hmm. Um, but that being said, I think it's a really, really well-made film, beautiful film. I still didn't care for the story. (laughs) but So nothing changed with that. I mean, I didn't come away walking away as a West Side Story fan. But again, that's more me personally. If you like West Side Story, the original, I really think there's a lot to like here. I think people would really enjoy this. Um, And yeah, Spielberg can make a a damn good musical. I mean, it's especially the uh, America um, song, the performance kind of in the middle of the, of the, of the film. So well done and just really, really fun to watch. And, uh, well, and this was something that, you know, he had the production number and Temple of Doom at the opening. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, was the scene that they did kind of a musical number. So something he'd never done a full musical film. So something maybe he'd been kind of kicking around for a while. And he then, says he's always wanted to make a musical. Okay. And this is like his first true musical. And, it works. Um, I'll say the scene of the big rumble scene, kind of the close to the end of the film. It's very well done. It's it's an interesting scene. It's in a like a salt warehouse, like okay. big mounds of salt everywhere, which just looks odd to have a big fight in, but it worked. It just was an interesting locale. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's some really there's some really great moments in the film. Again, I didn't walk away as a fan of the film, and I'm still let down by how the story and the film ends in general. And this film didn't do anything really dramatically different with it. It was pretty much the same, same ending. Um, But uh, that being said, if you're a fan of West side story, I think you really, really appreciate this, this reworking of it. Uh, If you're not a fan of West side story, it might be a tougher sell um, because it doesn't really dramatically change like how it performs as a movie musical. So Interesting. All the songs are pretty much all the same. You okay. know, all the the beat the main beats of the film are very similar to the sure. original. So sure. yeah. So anyway, I think it's worth seeing, but your mileage may vary based on how much of a fan you are of the original. So Okay. Yeah. So that's West Side Story. That's my little mini review. I'm giving it a positive review, even though me personally, I, I'm still not the biggest fan of the source material. So Understood. Yeah. Fair all enough. Right. So that is uh, so. Go out and see it, Chris. Chip in your ten bucks, I, man. I Help am. it on the you, second. You have weekend. done me a favor because you have lowered. Because I like you. Full disclosure: I like you, and not the biggest fan yeah. of West Side Story. I have truly, probably, I can't say I've seen the original West Side Story because I was supposed to watch it in freshman English <laughs> class when I was in high school. And I fell asleep. Yeah. So I have seen parts of it, right. <laughs> but I have not seen and the whole thing. And that's kind of where I had been to. I knew the story. I know I'd seen enough of the parts of it to make a whole viewing out of it, but um, not not the biggest fan, which is a shame because I do love movie musicals. I mean, again, In the Heights is one of my favorite movies from the past year. Okay. Tick, Tick, Boom, I did really like as well. This one, I didn't go in with high hopes because I knew I didn't like the source material, but he he did the best with the source material I think he could possibly have done okay. and still preserve the style and the tone of the original. Uh, didn't feel the need to update the, the music or update the dancing. I mean, it was all very 
authentic. So like choreography seemed to be very authentic. Yeah. It just, it seemed a little less showy than the original. Like, you know, it wasn't just everybody breaking out into random ballet periods or anything during the, during (laughs) the performances. It seemed a little more grounded, but it was still very much the same style dancing and same style music as the 1960s. So, Hmm. all right. Well, that's West Side Story. It may or may not be still playing by the time you read that you hear this podcast. I don't know, depending on how well it's doing. But I do think it's worth checking out. It's probably it's a good holiday movie to go check out as well. So all right, Chris, let's move on to the final section of our show, which is our recommendations. It's where you and I both give a recommendation of a film or film like content that we're gonna be discuss that we want to recommend for our audiences. Uh, this is something you can find online. It's kind of something we try to recommend, or at least is in theaters now. Something you can find right away if you were to listen to the show. Chris, I want to hear what is your recommendation for this episode? So I'm going to recommend um, The Beatles Get Back, which technically is a series and not a film. It is a series. It is a 471-minute series that is mm. broken up into three parts, so mm. you do not have to feel obligated to watch it all at once. It is available on Disney Plus, and as you probably have heard about or can guess from the title, it is about the Beatles, Mm -hmm. and it is about, it's documenting them, making the album Let It Be. Um, I'm a Beatles fan, have been for a long time, and I had heard stories about this making of this album and how it was very contentious, and everybody knows the Beatles did end up breaking up. Um, so, but spoiler, this, spoiler, yeah. um, but this was just a very interesting documentary to me because I was a fan and just hearing the way things did play out. And because you have called from over 60 hours of footage that they apparently had, they knocked it down to uh, 471 minutes, but you still get a sense of, you can see to me, I came away at the end of it kind of amazed that they'd remained together for as long as they had, mm-hmm. because you, like everybody knows the kind of powerhouse creatives were basically Lennon and McCartney, but you could tell, even though there was a friendship there, there was contention there, mm-hmm. which sometimes people would say has to happen for good creativity and good music to happen anyway. Um, and you can see the roles that Ringo Starr was playing and George Harrison was playing and some frustrations on maybe sometimes why they didn't feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just really kind of shed more light on their individual personalities and how they work together as a band. And truly one of the things I most appreciated about it was you get to see the performance that they did on the rooftop. Yeah. That was their last official performance together as a band and you get to see that. And I'd never seen, I mean, I'd seen clips, but I'd never seen the performance. And you basically get to see the full performance. And that was just really kind of special and, uh, you know, a long time coming. So the, I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. If you're a Beatles fan, it's probably something you want to check out. Um, and you can space it out however you need to, mm-hmm. to get through all of it. But it's available on Disney+. Plus. Oh, and I should mention... The director somebody people may be familiar with, Mr. Peter Jackson. Yes. So usually did, you know, Hobbit films, Lord of the Rings films. He has done other documentaries, mm-hmm. but um, this, he undertook this project and I, I liked it. So. Chris, did you, I'm just curious because I've only seen the first chapter. So like the first two and a half hours of okay. this. Um, did you come away with a different perception on any of the Beatles members yes. after watching all of this? Absolutely. Are you more of a Paul or John guy? Traditionally, have you been? That seems to be always the big debate. Right, Are you it more is. of a McCartney or a Lennon fan? Oh, man. See, 
traditionally I've always just kind of said I don't I don't fall on either okay. side of the debate. Yeah. But I will say after watching this, I <laughs> I I think I'm more of a Lennon fan hmm. because of the elements of humor that he and sometimes how he pushes back against Paul and seemingly there's a thing where they sing two of us through gritted teeth. Yeah. And like both of them. And I, I'm assuming it was started because it's more McCartney's song. Yeah. It was started by John Lennon and they're like rehearsing for it, but they're like grimacing and talking like that and like trying to sing an entire song that way. And I admire some of that creative, um, and kind of creative needling, (laughs) but like, but yeah, it's just, it's hard for me to say, I will say what I, who I learned the most about was Ringo and George Harrison. Well, yeah, George Harrison already in the first chapter. I'm learning a lot more about and him I, and I can, his dynamic I, in the band. And I hadn't really never thought about how he was the youngest member of the yeah. band. So I really learned about, and just Ringo, whoever, I will say this, who comes off, I think the best, mm-hmm. which I would have never imagined out of this, you know, learning about different people. But Ringo just comes off as the guy you would want to hang out with. Yeah. He just seems like the most easygoing, clever, which I'd yeah. never really thought about before because you hear about the cleverness of John or mm. the cleverness of Paul. But clever and just, he just seems to be the nicest guy. So that <laughs> See, I actually, in the first chapter, and granted, okay. I haven't seen the other sure. two, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in Camp McCartney. Interesting. Just because I like his, he, he just seems like more focused and more like, let's do this. I'm ready to go. Let's make this happen. Right. And it, he seems the most wanting to have the band play together that I could tell. Granted, yeah. he was kind of guiding it. Yes. He's got a little bit of that. The, this is the way I want the song to play. This is the way I want you to hit the beats. But he seemed the most intent on them, at least playing together, like as a band. Well, I think that's where everybody pushed- else was more, we kind of, we're not really as into doing this as a band anymore. When I think that's why I pushed back against being a balanced Paul and uh, John fan is because Paul seemed to be a little bit too controlling, but I do realize I think it's more of the, they mentioned that Brian Epstein had passed away. And if it wasn't for Paul controlling, they wouldn't have done anything. That's the thing. It's like (laughs) Paulie and kind of the point. It's like, we're supposed to perform songs in like a week and a half and we have nothing and we (laughs) let's get moving. So I like that. I like that a lot. I just, I like his creativity and his seeing him craft films on or songs on the fly in a way. So it was just, it was great. But uh, either way, I I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Can't wait to see the other two parts of it. Okay. Good. That's the get back by uh, Peter Jackson on Disney plus right now available to watch. So Chris, I will see your, how long did you say yours was total minutes? 471. Okay. That comes down to like seven hours. Something close. Yes. Okay. Close to seven hours. I'll match it. Oh, I've wow. got a seven and a half hour production as well. Okay. So yes, you and I are both breaking the rules a little bit today. <laughs> We're not recommending a single two hour film. We right. are recommending a, a mini series of a way. And I've already mentioned this to you in passing, but uh, Midnight Mass. Okay. By Mike Flanagan. Uh, which Mike is a Flanagan. director. Of he film. is a film director, which is why I feel like I'm I'm just like Peter Jackson. We can bring this up in a film podcast. Sure. He's typically been known for a lot of kind of uh, horror films. He did Dr. Sleep that we talked about not too long ago. Sure. I've I recommended. Rec- you yeah. recommended. I've recommended, I think, as well. Or maybe if I didn't, I do want to echo the recommendation. Sure. I really did enjoy it. Midnight Mass is a Netflix series that he did. That has, uh, I think, eight episodes, maybe okay. if I'm remembering correctly. Now, is it a, is it a limited or like, are they going to do a another season or is this likely like, no, it's eight and done? Um, it could play either way. Okay. Which is good. Okay. Meaning it ends. Okay. There's an ending to it. 
but there's enough of a doorway open if they decide to make another another round of it. Okay. Uh, basically, the idea behind this this series is you have an isolated island community that experiences some very interesting and miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. So this community, kind of a single church in the community, a very small island community, kind of disconnected from the rest of the, the mainland. Is this modern day? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it's modern it day. Modern day. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, their lifelong pastor has vanished and, uh, when he went on a mission trip. Okay. And they are have no idea where he is or what's going on. But then a uh, very young, charismatic priest shows up to replace him. Gotcha. And right away, things start to go very uh, weird after that. (laughs) Um, I don't want to give too much away about where this film is, where this series goes. Uh, I will just say it is a, it is a horror film or horror series. Okay. Um, there may or may not be creatures involved that you would normally associate with horror, horror films, but there's a lot deeper going on here as well. I think the dynamics of this community, the people in the community, interesting characters all the way around, um, make this really worth watching. A lot of religion brought into this. Okay. It's a lot more talking than you might expect in a series like this. Um, there's a lot more deep discussions than, uh, than you might expect as well, but it all adds to it. It just heightens the, the seriousness of everything you're seeing. Um, Zach Guilford plays Riley as a character. The very first moments of the film or series, you realize he was kind of a up and coming big shot guy uh, on the mainland that came from this Island, but now he's serving time for uh, DUI that okay. resulted in uh, someone's murder. And now he's returning back to the Island and He's wrestling with his faith where he's kind of lost his faith after what happened with him and what he did. And he's still haunted by the visions of the person that he killed you sure. know, through this uh, situation. Um, and now he's coming back to his original home community and his family and now being met with this new priest and kind of the relationship they form from there. Uh, Samantha Sloyan plays, plays Bev Keen as kind of the church parishioner, uh, kind of manages the church and just very, um, very interesting character. So I had a lot of fun with her and Kate Siegel plays Aaron, kind of a old girlfriend of the Riley Flynn character. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of the people he's had in this series are ones that he's had in some of his other films. Okay. Um, Henry Thomas is someone that he's used in a couple films and is in this series plays the father of Riley. Um, Hmm. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Um, but I will say Hamish Linklater. Are you familiar with him as an actor? Um, no, but is he related to Richard Linklater, the director? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, but he is uh, mostly known as a kind of a TV actor. Okay. I think he was in that old, uh, the old adventures of new Christine from uh, years ago or okay. new adventures of old Christine, whichever that show is the one <laughs> with uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus. Yeah. Uh, I think he was in the show, the newsroom that was on HBO for a while. He plays the priest. He plays the right, young, okay. the young priest coming in, and uh, yeah, he's good. Okay. He's, I mean, he's really, really a fun character. So it does get violent. It does get bloody. It does get um, frightening at times. But that's not the whole show. I mean, the show's a lot more than that. Okay. Um, I will say the way one episode ended, um, still kind of jarring to me. Still kind of got me, affected me pretty bad. So okay. from a yeah, from an emotional and kind of horrific 
uh, standpoint. So wow. it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's an interesting show to watch. So okay. I'm saying Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. I uh, I hate to say it, I enjoyed, but I was really impressed with how okay. well it was put together and done. So this is on Netflix. On Netflix, okay. that's correct. Yep. Okay, well, that is our show for today. So Chris recommended Get Back on Disney+. Plus. I recommended Midnight Mass on Netflix. We had positive reviews on House of Gucci and Power of the Dog. Uh, I talked about Fred Astaire biopic starring Tom Holland. We talked about West Side Story and Box Office Returns in my little mini review of it. And uh, yeah, I think overall good show. Chris, if anybody has any comments for us, questions, feedback, Anything else they want to share with us? How, how, how would they do that? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. We're also on Facebook, I should mention. Uh, Alan and I do, from time to time, put up reviews and things on Letterboxd, where you can track what we're seeing. Sometimes we give star reviews. Sometimes we don't. Uh, if you are a listener of the show and you enjoy it, please consider giving us a star rating or writing a review, share with friends in iTunes to help us reach new listeners. We'd appreciate it. We're also available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. So, uh, consider checking us out there or recommending to other people in those services. Um, we are also starting up the Foot Candle Film Festival submission process for our 2022 festival that will be in September of 2022. But if you are a filmmaker and are interested, check us out on Film Freeway and uh, look up Foot Candle Film Festival and consider submitting to us. Absolutely. There are lots of ways to connect with us and with the festival coming up later this year as well. All right, Chris. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off for today. Uh, thanks again to everybody listening. Check out past episodes on the mesh.tv on our podcast network there, available on iTunes and everywhere else you can find past episodes to listen to. And we will be back in the next couple of weeks with another episode with some new movie reviews and discussions. So until then, take care, everyone. Thanks a lot for listening. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.